0: Another day, another dollar makes you wonder where You can scream and you can holler. It really does. Hi, folks, matter. this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world and the changing times and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Dictated is almost always the case during our 50, my 50 mile, not our 50, but my 50 mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas on a, Thursday morning. Today is actually Thursday, April 30th, 2009. And that means that uh, this is about one month away from our big bug out, camp out, get together down near Gulf. Wait for the Region 5 get together. Hopefully you'll be coming down to that. As always, the Survival Podcast is one man's view, one man's opinion. Since part of what I'm going to talk about today, again, is a little bit of an update on swine flu. I need to re-emphasize that. Uh, most of what I'm going to tell you about swine flu today is my opinion about what's going on with it, so make sure you temper it as that. As always, you're free to disagree with me. You can do that by commenting in the forum, commenting in the blog, in the show notes of whatever show it is you have the disagreement with, or you can agree with me, or you can give your own insights and your own input. Please do so. Also, remember, uh, we do try to do a call-in show about once every two weeks, and uh, can't do a live show because I broadcast from a moving studio most days, but what we have is an 800 number with voicemail, and you can call 866- 65 think again 866 65 think and leave your question or comment and we'll try to get it in queue to get it into one of those shows um Let's go ahead and knock out some house clean I already mentioned Region 5 get-together, bug-out, camp-out. Uh, fun time with some guys down in uh, South Texas, actually Central Texas, I guess is the best way to call it. And uh, I hope we'll see a lot of y'all there. There will be a link in today's show notes. A little plug for the uh, Member Support Brigade. Uh, Member Support Brigade is the way that you can help support the Survival Podcast with a contribution of $5 a month or $50 a year. I worked out the math where that comes out to about 25 cents an episode. So if you think you get a quarter's value out of every episode, consider joining the Member Support Brigade, and you'll get exclusive content available only to members of the brigade. I also want to remind you to, hey, check out our sponsors. Uh, they are in the right-hand margin of the website. Our sponsor of the day is Ready-Made Resources. Uh, you'll see their banner there. They have some really cool stuff, and including, uh, if you're into making fires in a primitive way, check out out their solar-powered uh, fire starter. It is really freaking cool. I'll put a link in today's show notes to that particular item. Again, I think that would be a great one for you guys to check out, to throw in a bob or even just a camping bag or what have you. So anyway, that pretty much knocks out our house cleaning. I'm going to leave it short today, and this will probably be a shorter-than-normal episode. I've got some interesting things planned, but we're going to talk mostly about how you think, not a lot of statistics and, and facts and things like that today. Uh, let's talk about swine flu first, because it's still going going on like crazy, and I think it's going to be interesting. I know a lot of people find this show... And then you go back and you start listening to the older episodes. I'm thinking about August of this year. It's going to be interesting to listen to these shows from this week and see how right or wrong I was about swine flu. What I said in the very beginning was, I don't know if this is going to be a big major disaster or if it's going to be a non-event. But my gut was leaning toward non-event, but I wasn't willing to let my guard down. I'm still not willing to let my guard down. But my gut is moving more and more toward a non-event from the flu itself. It it really looks to me... Like things are being overblown And overreacted to And I want to give you a few things And I want to like throw something at you And get you thinking about it First of all um, please don't worry about me because Fort Worth School District is now closed. I'm sure that's absolutely national news The Cleburne and Fort Worth School Districts have both had confirmed cases of swine flu and have closed the schools. The children in those school districts that have the swine flu are sitting at home like they would be with any garden variety flu or, or illness um, that kids get, watching cartoons on TV and chilling out and doing well. None of them are even in the freaking hospital. The schools are closed because the school boards and the superintendents and the principals are covering their ass. And I think it might be an overreaction, but I don't blame them. i probably do the same thing, too, because if you don't close the schools and you end up with half the, the, the children infected and even one dies, including the one that was already near death from some other condition or illness anyway, you're going to get your heads chopped off. That's defensive uh, defensive political medicine being practiced there. I'm not real concerned about this as a whole just yet what is really interesting to me was Ron Paul's statement about the swine flu I found it very calming and very reassuring and he did say keep your eye on it this is one thing I want to point out though I got an email today from a listener and the listener said this is from a friend of a friend and I know that's not usually the best source but have a look at this email. And it was what's supposedly being said behind the scenes in the government down in Column County. I think it was Column County. I'm not really sure, but it's it's the area near Houston, I guess, where, where the one child from Mexico died. And they're talking about people on ventilators and respirators, and the death rate is actually 6%, and the infection rate of the exposed is 60%, and this is huge, and on and on and on. Now, here's the thing. I have absolutely no doubt that the email did come from a friend of a friend. I just want to tell you guys a similar story to help keep a lid on shit like this as we go forward with this. About a year and a half ago, I got an email from a very, very close, very trusted friend of mine. And she said this came from my friend who works for a department, uh, the, the Department of Transportation, I guess, what a, the Department of Public Safety, whoever the traffic people are in the state of Texas. I can't think clearly enough to tell you the right name of the agency right now. He did work there. And, I mean, because I tracked this back when I found out it was a hoax. And the story was that his boss sent it to him. So, the guy works for... You know, Department of Public Safety, Highway Commission, whatever. And his boss, is a pretty senior guy, sends him this email. He sends this email to my friend, and she sends it to me. And it was a list of new traffic laws that were going to go in effect in the state of Texas within the next 60 days or something like that. And there was some pretty ridiculous crap on there about what an officer who pulled you over could do to you at his discretion. And it was pretty freaking ridiculous and some unconstitutional things and, and stuff like that, being the internet geek that I am, I looked at it, and at first I was angry because I knew this person well, and I knew what she told me had been true even before I backtracked it to make sure, so I was angry, and I said, this is bullshit, and I was just about to go into my call Austin mode, and I said, you know what, you don't do this with an email, you go to Snopes, and you check it out, and I went to Snopes, and I checked it out, and this one had been around long enough, it was a complete in total hoax. But it did come from somebody that oversaw the traffic law in the state of Texas and it was sent to him by the person he worked for even though it was a hoax please if you start to see these claims and these people calling in I guess it was the power hour this lady called in and they're shipping biovirus all over the place and they're going to kill us all and they're paying truck drivers $10,000 a load with private bank accounts if you guys haven't seen this you gotta watch it it's conspiracy stuff right and she knows it for a fact and it's true and she called and had like a 50 minute conversation with the host of the Power Hour. And they said, well, how do you know this? She said, well, I, I can't disclose that, but I can tell you it's very credible. I'll tell you it's credible. She's probably mentally ill. And, and I, I just want, again, the person that sent me this, don't be upset by what I'm saying here, because it's not about you. I just want to make sure that as other stuff like this happens, we keep an eye on it. Let's keep an eye on this email. My, in, my guess, it's already in the Snopes forum. Okay. I went to Snopes to check it out. Couldn't find it in general Snopes cuz it's too new. But somebody's already mentioned it in the forum in a forum thread where they say the death rate is 6% by the way. But then even they say, "Here you go. This is this is a little bit over the top." So, we'll see where that one goes. But, but my gut on this flu is it's a flu. It's a flu that makes people sick. Just like any other flu, I don't think there's anything alarming about it. It may have a higher infection rate. It may not. We don't know that yet. I want you to keep an eye on it. That's that's where I'm at with this. Now, here's the point I want to make, though. This should make you feel good if you're a prepper. I am seeing the general population completely overreact to this, freaking out, running the stores and buying masks, going nuts, and I'll tell you a story about Starbucks as I do this, what happened yesterday was kind of interesting. I am watching the government overreact and freak out to this. And I am watching the black helicopter crowd, the tinfoil hat brigade, freak out and overreact to this. And I'm watching some segment of the general population, the ostriches, that, that are oblivious to everything, not even pay attention. They don't even know what's going on. The only people I'm seeing out there in any of the online communities that seem to have any freaking clue... What the hell is going on with a rational sense... Are preppers. Not just people who listen to this show, but you know, on the like the ar15.com survival board, zombiehunters.org, uh, zombie all of the survivalist boards, when I go into them, as long as I stay away from the few of the, you know, rap type foil cap people, most of the people in those forums are like, yeah, this is over overblown. We're keeping an eye on it. We're ready for whatever comes. If it's this, if it's something else, what have you. That's going to lead into today's show topic. Now, here's what happened at Starbucks yesterday. Um, I went out in the morning to the uh, to the pea vines in the backyard, and I picked a little bag of uh, my sugar snap peas, and uh, I like to eat them raw, so I threw them in a little cup, and I actually was eating them uh, right after I got done with the show yesterday, and I decided I would go to Starbucks on the way to the office and pick up a coffee. So I had just thrown one in my mouth when I walked into Starbucks, and it was one that I got let like, get a little older than it should have. So there was a little bit of a, like a string in the, in the pot, and that kind of scratched the back of my throat. So as I walked through the door in a Starbucks, I coughed like really loud. I covered my mouth when I did it. And I would say about 90% of the people in that Starbucks looked up straight at me with their eyes as wide as saucers, and they looked horrified. And the other 10%, Paid me no mind, as though like, duh, what, 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 what are these people looking at? And I went over and I ordered my coffee and I left. And I, I, I kind of snickered to myself as I did it. And I had to resist the temptation to not like, <laughs> you know, when I when I walked out just to see what they would do. Now, please don't go around and start terrifying people with this. But what it says to me is I could probably put. Ten people in a room that didn't know what was going on in a controlled experiment right now walk into that room and cough. And I would probably see the preppers, by the way, they would like, oh, yeah, I wonder what's up with that. The the, the sheep, by the way, they would look like, oh, my God, I've been exposed. And then, like, if you had some of the, you know, the, the ambivalent, clueless morons, they would be sitting there like, oh, you could actually sort people right now by their level of preparedness with a cough. Let's say that again. I think right now, in a public place, you can sort people by their level of preparedness with a cough. And you can see whether you're dealing with a freaked out conspiracy theorist, whether you're dealing with a common sense prepper type person, a sheep that's terrified, or an oblivious idiot that has no idea what's going on by coughing. That tells us something about A real shit hit the fan. What I'm seeing the government do right now looks like absolute, total incompetence. That's why I don't think it's a conspiracy theory to kill us all. I don't think they're capable of a conspiracy theory to kill us all. I think they're a bunch of bumbling freaking idiots that are worried about keeping their freaking jobs more than they are the the business of the American people. That's what I see. I'm sorry if you don't agree with that. That's what I see. And I see people on the verge, not not at, but on the verge of panic, and I see a media so addicted to its own voice urging it on. I told you about the moron here in Dallas that came on the air, not, not last night, the night before, and said the CDC says that the flu will turn deadly in the United States. And that meant that that one young child was about to die down near Houston. That's what that meant. You tell me what you're thinking when you hear a news and this is Texas. You know? This is it this isn't freaking Massachusetts, folks. This is Texas. This is where we're supposed to be sane, rational, slow, thinking people that make a good decision before we open our big freaking mouths. And I guess that boy Now nah, I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> Because I can't call anybody a Yankee, folks. I'm from Pennsylvania. Anyway, let's uh, l- let's move on with kind of today's main subject then and what I want to talk to you about. And this is something that I've been thinking about as this flu thing has been going on. And I want to pose a question to you right now in spite of everything I just said. And I want you to come up with an answer to this question. And once I ask it, if you're not sure what your answer is going to be, if you're listening to this on your computer, on your MP3 player, or whatever, Hit pause, be sure of your answer, and then continue it, all right? So my question is, is it better in a survival situation to have a well-thought-out, methodical, planned response or a knee-jerk, quick-action, instinctive response? Again, are you better off with a a planned, well-thought-out response Or are you better off with a quick, instinctual response in a survival situation? I wish I had Jeopardy! music to splice in here. All right. Pause it if you are not got an answer yet, because I'm going to give you the answer. The answer is, and this is not a cop-out, and some of you probably got it. I'd say half of you probably got it, is it depends. It absolutely depends on what the survival situation is. Here's what I mean. Right now, with the flu, it's a perfect example, calm, methodical, well-thought-out planned response. First of all, all your planning and preparation you've done up till now has been for this event because of disaster commonality. In other words, the food you've stored will help you in this event if we have a quarantine. Right? The, the money, hopefully, that you've saved and the debt that you've hopefully reduced will help you if you can't go to work. Just about anything that you've done toward common sense preparations is going to help you with this so you're calm. Looking forward, now your alert level's a little bit up. What could go on here? You might start solidifying a few areas where you're the weakest. Slow, calm, rational response. Is that better than an instinctual, you know, panic response in this situation? Absolutely. That's exactly what I was talking about all the way up to this point. That slow, common sense, ant response. The ant does a little bit every day, and by the time he actually needs it because winter comes, he's well prepared to deal with what happens. All right? However, let me give you a different survival situation. You are standing in a parking lot fumbling through your keys about to open the trunk of your car, and you see a speeding car coming directly at you. You do not have time for a well-thought-out, logical, methodical response your instinct kicks in and you jump out of the way as quickly as you can and you avoid being killed now if you think to yourself let's see that car's approaching me at about 62 and a half miles an hour i have about one second left okay very simple it depends now here's the big danger it is not likely that you will get in a situation, in most instances, that requires a fast instinctual response and not recognize it. The threat to your life is generally pretty obvious. Now. This is different from situational awareness. I'll talk about that in just a second as well. I'm talking about the point at which the threat becomes imminent, not the point at which you determine there may be a threat. Those are two different worlds. But I'm saying when a threat is coming at you right now, you're sitting down for dinner, somebody walks into a restaurant and starts shooting people, right? You know you have to react. If you're a CHL holder, you may be returning fire. Otherwise, you're trying to unass the AO, right? You're de-assing the area. You're trying to find cover. You're trying to help whoever's with you get there. You're doing whatever you can, but you're not going to lay in a ball while the guy walks around and shoots people unless you're going to lay down and die. But you know you have to do something now because the threat is now. Now, where people in society tend to get into trouble is when there is a pending threat where there is lots of time to make a well-thought-out planned response, and they do one of two things. They do nothing, and they end up on a rooftop waiting for a helicopter or a boat, or they overreact and freak out, and they lose more than they had to. And what I want to try to talk to you about today is is setting up your mind to know the difference so that you take the maximum effective use of the time that you have when a potential threat rises up to capitalize on everything that you have done, solidify everything that you haven't done, and at the same time, you don't overreact. For instance, the stock market is exactly one of these disaster scenarios that hit most of America. Anybody with a 401k uh, is like a 90%... Odd or better, they got hit by a disaster that came this year. Now, where was the real height of the market? Or actually came last year, 2008. The height of the market was in 2007. If you were a stock trading genius, you bailed at the end of 2007. You didn't worry about the couple little you know, peaks there. That was the market raging, and then it just kind of dwindled all through 2008. And you have time, though. There wasn't an overnight. The market did not crash overnight. Anybody that tells you that is in denial or is uninformed. But all through 2008, it was the warning signs. You looked at interest rates just being driven into the ground. You looked at the housing bubble bust. You looked at derivatives. All the stuff was there. There was plenty of time to strategically exit your stocks. Now, some people waited until the disaster was in play, and then they called their broker and went, get me out, get me out, get me out now! And that made the disaster worse. Because all those people that sold their mutual funds on the way down drove the market to the basement that it went into. That's what happened. That's why why people with nationally syndicated radio and television shows like Dave Ramsey can't tell you, get out of the market, because if he does that, 2 million people do it tomorrow. If I do it, hopefully 4,000 people do it tomorrow. It's not a blip on the radar screen. But here's the thing. If I ever get a million people listening to me, I'll still tell you that when I think that. And, and damn the market. We've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to use our freaking brains. But that was the case where there was time. This flu thing is a case where there's time. You don't need to run to Rite Aid and buy a case of surgical masks, especially if you don't know what you're going to do with them. If you've been really concerned about this, you probably have some already. There are plenty of places left online where you can order some if you want to. There are plenty of places online right now that are raping you blind for a, you know, a $4 surgical mask for 15 bucks or more. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. What you really need to look at is, well, what the hell would we do if this thing goes south? And I don't know what the answer is for you because you have your own plan. I know what I would do. I'll go to my remote location. By the way, I may not do a show next Friday because I may be going to my remote location. Unless I tell you otherwise, I'm not evacuating the area. I'm going up there to uh, do what we always do when we take a little mini vacations and continue to work on the place. Um, But I don't know what you would do. You need to know what you would do, and you need to make preps so that you can successfully do whatever that is. Is it you'll just stay at home? Is it that you'll go someplace else? If you're going someplace else, will it just be you or will there be, be other people coming? If so, do they have a risk of contamination? If so, how do you isolate your two separate populations for a period of a week or two until you go, okay, we're both clean and we can now cohabitate? You have to think about these things. You don't freak out. You think. Now, being the thinking, methodical, planning survivalist that I am, let me tell you what I think is the biggest danger that we have with this flu thing right now in the coming weeks and months. It's not the flu. It's the reaction to the flu by the public and by the government And by local, more local officials even than national, I don't think the black helicopters are going to fly and hold you down and try to force you to take Tamiflu. Somebody made a great post on the forum that said, no, they won't be. The danger isn't that that somebody's trying to hunt you down in a remote location and make you take Tamiflu. It's going to be people rioting to try to get to the front of the line for their share of Tamiflu. And you don't want to be anywhere near that. And I think that is the bigger danger. How are people going to react? So right now, I think that you should be looking at this little alert that we're running. This, this, and, and People are call, saying it's a drill for the government. I don't know if it's a drill for the government. If it is so far, they failed miserably. Um, but I do think it's a drill for me and you. And I think one of the things we need to be drilling right now is, okay, let's say that this flu thing doesn't have any real threat of killing us with its virus, but... The people in my city, my town, whatever, start to go crazy. Let's say that the schools are going to be closed right through the end of the year. Let's say that uh, they're going to shut down the offices and say we can't go to work, even though nobody's dying. Or even it's just old people and and babies that are dying. They're going to still shut down work. How am I going to deal with that? Start thinking about the danger of of a pandemic, even when it's not a pandemic, think about the danger of a pandemic that doesn't exist. This is hard to explain. And what I'm saying is a pandemic is supposed to be a global disease spreading out of control that poses a serious risk to public health. And what I think we're going to end up here is a disease spreading across the globe uh, with a reasonable infection rate that, that doesn't really pose more of a public health threat than most flus. That's what I think we're going to have. But if the government responds to it as a true pandemic, if the global governments respond to it as a true pandemic, then what's going to happen? What is that going to be like? What systems of your support may be affected? Where may you be able to and may not be able to go? These are the things that we need to be thinking about right now. And we need to, again, I want you to always think to yourself, how much time do I have in this response? And unless a car or a bullet or a knife blade is imminently coming at you, the answer is probably more time than you think but start to act with intelligence, rationality, and calm thought anyway. Now, let's talk briefly about situational awareness and where it plays in as an intermediary between these two things. I'll tell this story again. I've told it probably two or three times now. There was a day that my wife and I were walking through a portion of Allentown, Pennsylvania, that was clearly an area that we would have been better off not being in, especially walking long distance. We had parked several blocks away from a store that sold vacuum cleaner parts, and we had this old vacuum that we found one place that actually had parts for or like kind of an antique vacuum. And, uh, it's one of these streets where the numbers go up, and they go to zero, and they go back down. So we parked way further away than we normally would have, but it was a beautiful day, so we figured we'll just walk. We're going to be carrying a, a little tiny part. No big deal that we have to walk for. Well, as we're walking, I start to see what, what looks like groups of young males that, that look like they're in kind of like a gang environment, and most of them were actually Hispanic. And that has nothing to do with their race. It just has to do with the gangs that are active in that area uh, are mostly Hispanic gangs. And uh, we walked by one guy, and he seemed like a decent guy. He was well-dressed for, for, you know, where he was. And But he looked at me, and I was wearing a nice watch, a nice ring. My, my wife was wearing her wedding rings uh, and nice earrings, and he looked at my hand. And he saw, he lo- you could see his eyes go to my, my ring and to my watch. And he looked at me, and he shrugged his shoulders, and he kind of gave this, like, I don't know, look to me, you know. And I'm like... Yeah, I know what that means. That means I'm not a threat to you, but, buddy, I wouldn't be here if I were you. Grab my wife by the arm, spin her around, go back. She bitches at me the whole way that I'm overreacting. We get in the car. We didn't leave the complete area. We drove down, parked directly in front of the store, in and out, and we went home. That is situational awareness. That is not a knee-jerk response or a well-thought-out response. That is, this is a situation that could turn into something that was going to require me To make an instantaneous response, and I want to avoid the confrontation. That's where situational awareness comes into. So these three factors interplay with each other. Methodical, well-thought-out, logical response instinctive, life-saving response, and in the center between them, guiding you to take you from having to make the instinctive response over to having the luxury of a well-thought-out response, situational awareness. Hopefully that makes sense. This is something I've I've kind of just really, you know, always understood intrinsically, but haven't been able to articulate till now, so hopefully I'm delivering it well. It's definitely something I'm going to work into uh, what's probably going to be an upcoming book this this formulaic way of looking at things and I, you know, I was one of the people in schools that was certain theories I would get bored with but if the theory were practical I'd find it interesting. Hopefully you find these theories when I, when I lay them out to you interesting. And again since it's my opinion this is theory not fact but I'll tell you what it would be hard for me to make an argument against this one. That this is the way that the mind uh, does interplay and how to take advantage of it so that you give yourself the most cushion possible in these situations. So let's look at one where my situational awareness has failed, and my instinctive response was to able to kind of save my butt in a particular situation. It was one night very late. I was uh, hanging out with a friend up, up near Denton, Texas, and I was living down near Grand Prairie, not far from where I live now, and I was heading south on Loop 12, uh, right near Cow- you know, the current Cowboy Stadium that they're about to demolish because the new one is going to be opening uh, this season. And just about getting to Cowboy Stadium, there was a wreck on the side of the road. And I was kind of in a lackadaisical mood. I wasn't really paying that much attention. I was doing about 60 miles an hour, which is within the speed limit, uh, in my little old truck. And uh, there was this wreck, and it was in the passenger lane. And some asswad was standing behind the, uh, the wreck. So that he was on, if, if another car would have hit the wreck, it would have driven it into him. So he's, he is eclipsed by the front vehicle in the crash, if that makes sense. So there's two cars, one rear end's the other, he's in the front of the front car with a flashlight waving people around into traffic instead of behind it waving them around on the shoulder, which would have made sense. As we're approaching this, I'm like, well, I'm in the the center lane, I just kind of keep cruising along, and some asswad that he's waving the flashlight to cuts out in front of me, while I'm doing 60 miles an hour. My instinctive response takes over. I slammed on the brakes. My truck spun at least twice, possibly three times. Uh, as I came out of the spin, vehicles were actually, this is like a uh, NASCAR race. Vehicles are spinning around me. Uh, there was a vehicle spinning directly in front of me, and I, in my head, remembered the old thing, you know, you aim at the spinning vehicle and go tr- straight at it, you'll probably miss it. It worked. I ended up facing the wrong way on the median of the highway. Several cars that had accidents, uh, I guess I was partially the cause of it because I avoided, you know, dying myself. Uh, everybody seemed okay. Uh, I turned my lights down and, and drove back down the median, came back across, and, and just flipped out on the freaking idiots to start waving traffic around the other side. Now, where did my situational awareness break down? I should have began decelerating, and I probably should have got over one lane well in advance of the wreck. And if I was really being a good citizen, when I saw what was going on, I should have probably got over, off the road to a safe location, went back, and took control of the situation and said, you're a moron, give me that flashlight, let me smack you in the face with it, this is how you deal with this, you have a perfectly good shoulder right here to bring backed up traffic around, not if you're going to bring them around at all, but you don't wave traffic into traffic, you idiot. What ended up happening is I went home, and I was relatively calm after I flipped out on these guys and told them. I did tell them what they were doing wrong and explained to them why that wreck had just occurred. And before they listened to me, believe it or not, another wreck occurred because the guy wouldn't stop waving people around. So there were two wrecks on top of this wreck in about a two-and-a-half-minute time period, one that I almost got kiboshed in. Then I drove home. And by the time I got home, all that adrenaline had come back down out of me. And I was completely shaking, and I was going, God, I hope I have one beer left in the refrigerator. I had a beer about 1 a.m., and I went to bed. And I slept like a rock once that adrenaline came out of me. But that was a situation where I had to make an instinctual response. But I would have been much better off paying attention to my situational awareness, and I would have avoided the need. And here's the kicker. Had I done that, I would have been in the right mental state to possibly prevent the additional accidents from occurring and been part of the solution versus part of the problem. But I missed that opportunity. I didn't think like this yet. I mean, this is going back to I was about 20, I'd say 23 years old. So I did the best I could with the situation. But that is that is the formula that I'm talking about with you today. That's, that's what I want you to get through. Instinctual, logical, situational awareness between them. Use that as we go through this flu scare. And, and trust me, folks, I think it's more of a scare right now. Then it is a true threat as it is unless it mutates or something like that which I don't know that that's going to happen it's happened in the past and it's not happened in the past all we can do is wait and see but the big thing I want you to do is pay attention to the morons around you they're more dangerous than the threat this has been Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast helping you figure out how to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't you can scream and you can holler Doesn't matter cause it all gets spent.